0: to Picton's Podcast Today Concentration Camps and the Meaning of Life or how to be happy in hell So okay, there must be more cheerful ways to spend Boxing Day. But having read Tim Ferris's excellent tribe of mentors just beforehand, there were so many recommendations in it for the following book I thought I should give it a whirl. Plus it might make going back to work later in the week seem not so harrowing at least in relative terms. The book is Man's Search for Meaning, the classic tribute to hope from the Holocaust, by Viktor Frankl, a psychiatrist. I was already vaguely aware of the author Viktor Frankl and his psychoanalytic theory from having to study it as part of psychiatry training, but he barely got a paragraph there. To be honest, I've never come across a logotherapist knowingly. The book begins with his experiences in a concentration camp. He ended up in no less than four, including Auschwitz itself. I don't want to give away any spoilers, it's well worth reading as a compelling account, and there's no doubt he is, as a result of the experiences, more than qualified to write the second half of the book where his logotherapy is described, which very basically is helping people find a meaning in their life and find fulfilment, whether through tasks, relationships, or enduring unavoidable suffering nobly. there now follow some of my favourite quotes from the book. Everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. An abnormal reaction to an abnormal situation is normal behaviour. In some ways, suffering ceases to be suffering at the moment it finds a meaning, such as the meaning of a sacrifice. So live as if you were living already for the second time, and as if you had acted the first time as wrongly as you are about to act now. For the first time in my life I saw the truth as it is set into song by so many poets, proclaimed as the final wisdom by so many thinkers, the truth that love is the ultimate and highest goal to which man can aspire. Then I grasped the meaning of the greatest secret that human poetry and human thought and belief have to impart – the salvation of man is through love and in love. It did not really matter what we expected from life, but rather what life expected from us. We needed to stop asking about the meaning of life and instead think of ourselves as those who are being questioned by life, daily and hourly. Our answer must consist not in talk and meditation, but in right action and in right conduct. Life ultimately means taking the responsibility to find the right answer to its problems and to fulfil the tasks which it constantly sets for each individual. A man who becomes conscious of the responsibility he bears towards a human being who affectionately waits for him, or to an unfinished work, will never be able to throw away his life. He knows the why for his existence and will be able to bear almost any how. To draw an analogy... A man's suffering is similar to the behaviour of a gas. If a certain quantity of gas is pumped into an empty chamber, it will fill the chamber completely and evenly, no matter how big the chamber. Thus suffering completely fills the human soul and conscious mind, no matter whether the suffering is great or little. Therefore the size of human suffering is absolutely relative. Man does not simply exist, but always decides what his existence will be, what he will become the next moment. By the same token, every human being has the freedom to change at any instant. It's not freedom from conditions, but it's freedom to take a stand toward the conditions. In the concentration camps, for example, in this living laboratory and on this testing ground, we watched and witnessed some of our comrades behave like swine, while others behaved like saints. Man has both potentialities within himself. Which one is actualized depends on decisions, but not on conditions. For the world is in a bad state, but everything will become still worse unless each of us does his best. Everyone has his own specific vocational mission in life. Everyone must carry out a concrete assignment that demands fulfilment. Therein he cannot be replaced, nor can his life be repeated. Thus, everyone's task is unique, as is his specific opportunity to implement it. Ironically enough, in the same way that fear brings to pass what one is afraid of, Likewise, a forced intention makes impossible what one forcibly wishes. Pleasure is and must remain a side effect or by-product, and is destroyed and spoiled to the degree which it is made a goal in itself. Dr. once said, There is only one thing I dread, not to be worthy of my sufferings. These words frequently came to my mind after I became acquainted with those martyrs, whose behaviour in camp, whose suffering and death bore witness to the fact that the last inner freedom cannot be lost. It can be said that they were worthy of their sufferings. The way they bore their suffering was a genuine inner achievement. It is this spiritual freedom which cannot be taken away that makes life meaningful and purposeful. It is well known that humor more than anything else in human makeup can afford an aloofness and an ability to rise above any situation, even if only for a few seconds. There is nothing in the world. I ventured to say that would be so effectively help one to survive even the worst conditions as the knowledge that there is a meaning in one's life. I understood how a man who has nothing left in this world may still know bliss, be it only for a brief moment, in the contemplation of his beloved. Human kindness can be found in all groups, even those which as a whole it would be easy to condemn. To the European, it is characteristic of the American culture that again and again one is commanded in order to be happy. But happiness cannot be pursued, it must ensue. One must have a reason to be happy. Once the reason is found, however, one becomes happy automatically. As we see, a human being is not one in pursuit of happiness, but rather in search of a reason to become happy. Last but not least, through actualizing the potential meaning inherent and dormant in a given situation. Sunday neurosis, that kind of depression which afflicts people who become aware of the lack of content in their lives when the rush of the busy week is over and the void within themselves becomes manifest. What man actually needs is not a tensionless state but rather the striving and struggling for a worthwhile goal, a freely chosen task. What he needs is not the discharge of tension at any cost but the call of a potential meaning waiting to be fulfilled by him. The way in which a man accepts his fate and all the suffering it entails, the way in which he takes up his cross, gives him ample opportunity, even under the most difficult circumstances, to add a deeper meaning to his life. It may remain brave, dignified and unselfish, or, in the bitter fight for self-preservation, he may forget his human dignity and become no more than an animal. Life is not primarily a quest for pleasure, as Freud believed, or a quest for power, as Alfred Adler taught, but a quest for meaning. Forces beyond your control can take away everything you possess except one thing, your freedom to choose how you will respond to the situation. You cannot control what happens to you in life, but you can always control what you will feel and do about what happens to you. Are you sure that the human world is a terminal point in the evolution of the cosmos? Is it not conceivable that there is still another dimension, a world beyond man's world, a world in which the question of an ultimate meaning of human suffering would find an answer? We who have come back by the aid of many lucky chances or miracles, whatever one may choose to call them, we know the best of us did not return. The transitoriness of our existence in no way makes it meaningless but it does constitute our responsibleness, for everything hinges upon our realising the essentially transitory possibilities. A positive attitude enables a person to endure suffering and disappointment as well as enhance enjoyment and satisfaction. A negative attitude intensifies pain and deepens disappointments. It undermines and diminishes pleasure, happiness and satisfaction. It may even lead to depression or physical illness. Life is potentially meaningful under any conditions, even those which are most miserable, and this in turn presupposes the human capacity to creatively turn life's negative aspects into something positive or constructive. In other words, what matters is to make the best of any given situation. There were always choices to make, every day, every hour, offered the opportunity to make a decision. A decision which determined whether you would or would not submit to those powers which threatened to rob you of your very self, your inner freedom, which determined whether or not you would become the plaything to circumstance, renouncing freedom and dignity. Finishing the quotations with when Frankl was requested to make a speech, to help the men in the concentration camp somehow lift their spirits in a particularly awful situation. God knows, I was not in the mood to give psychological explanations or to preach any sermons, to offer my comrades a kind of medical care of their souls. I was cold and hungry, irritable and tired, but I had to make the effort and use this unique opportunity. Encouragement was now more necessary than ever. So I began by mentioning the most trivial of comforts first. I said that even in this Europe, in the sixth winter of the Second World War, our situation was not the most terrible we could think of. I said that each of us had to ask himself what irreplaceable losses he'd suffered up to then. I speculated that for most of them, these losses had really been few. Whoever was still alive had reason for hope. Health, family, happiness, professional abilities, fortune, position in society, all these were things that could be achieved again or restored. After all, we still had our bones intact. Whatever we'd gone through could still be an asset to us in the future. And I quoted from Nietzsche, Was mich nicht umbringt, macht mich stärker. That which does not kill me makes me stronger. Then I spoke about the future. I said that to the impartial, the future must seem homeless. I agreed that each of us could guess for himself how small were his chances of survival. I told them that although there was still no typhus epidemic in the camp, I estimated my own chances at about 1 in 20. But I also told them that, in spite of this, I had no intention of losing hope and giving up for no man knew what the future would bring, much less the next hour. Even if we could not expect any sensational military events in the next few days, who knew better than we, with our experience of camps, how great chances sometimes opened up quite suddenly, at least for the individual? For instance, one might be attached unexpectedly to a special group with exceptionally good working conditions, for this was the kind of thing which constituted the luck of the prisoner. But I did not only talk of the future and the veil which was drawn over it. I also mentioned the past, all its joys, and how its light shone even in the present darkness. Again, I quoted a poet, to avoid sounding like a preacher myself, who had written, Was du erlebst, kann keiner macht der Welt dir rauben? What you have experienced, no power on earth can take from you. Not only our experiences, but all we have done. Whatever great thoughts we may have had, and all we have suffered... All this is not lost though it is past we've brought it into being having been it's also a kind of being and perhaps the surest kind then i spoke of the many opportunities of giving life a meaning i told my comrades who lay motionless although occasionally a sigh could be heard that human life under any circumstances never ceases to have a meaning and that this infinite meaning of life includes suffering and dying privation and death I asked the poor creatures who listened to me attentively in the darkness of the hut to face up to the seriousness of our position. They must not lose hope, but should keep their courage in the certainty that the hopelessness of our struggle did not detract from its dignity and its meaning. I said that someone looks down on each of us in difficult hours, a friend, a wife, somebody alive or dead or a god, and he would not expect us to disappoint him. He would hope to find us suffering proudly, not miserably, knowing how to die." And finally I spoke of our sacrifice which had meaning in every case. It was in the nature of this sacrifice that it should appear to be pointless in the normal world, the world of material success, but in reality our sacrifice did have a meaning. Those of us who had any religious faith, I said frankly, could understand without difficulty. I told them of a comrade who on his arrival in camp had tried to make a pact with heaven that his suffering and death should save the human being he loved from a painful end. For this man, suffering and death were meaningful. His was a sacrifice of the deepest significance. He did not want to die for nothing. None of us wanted that. The purpose of my words was to find a full meaning in our life then and there, in that hut and in that practically hopeless situation. I saw that my efforts had been successful. When the electric bulb flared up again, I saw the miserable figures of my friends limping towards me to thank me, with tears in their eyes.